When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Myron Metcalf here, uh, filling in for Royce. Was here last yesterday. We'll be here all week uh, for the three to six show. Um, I, I just got to start with this, fellas. Uh, R- Richie Incognito is a classless <laughs> goofball who should never play in the NFL again. Boy, he's a piece of work, isn't he? And he he just he he upset me with what he did this afternoon. In case you haven't followed, in a TMZ interview. We all know if it's on TMZ, it's true. Uh, (laughs) Richie said that he was contacted by a couple of teams, including the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Today, Mike Zimmer was asked about that. And Mike Zimmer said, no interest, no way. Uh, We don't want that guy. And I think his comment, uh, according to ESPN's Courtney Cronin, was, uh, you can tweet that. Richie Incognito comes back today and tweets uh, that Mike Zimmer is a uh, bleeping liar. Uh, he didn't say bleeping. You can assume what he said. And, and then he showed screen grabs of conversations he'd had with Tony Sperano, uh, the late Tony Sperano. Um, And the screen grabs don't even show that Richie had any sort of an offer or real contact with the Vikings. The, it only shows that, you know, a former coach of his who he had a relationship with was basically saying, hey, it, it'd be nice, man, if I could work with you again. Uh, hey, keep keep your head up, keep working out, and we'll see what happens. Tony Sperano wasn't guaranteeing Richie Incognito anything with those conversations, but to put out the screen grabs and the text messages in an exchange with a man who has gone on uh, without him being here to, to to defend himself, I'm not saying he necessarily has to, but that's just classless, right? And and Richie has done a lot of dumb things in his career which is why he's gained a reputation as a, a guy with a lot of talent, uh, but no brain. Uh, he was the guy with the bullying situation. Don, Jonathan Martin at Miami yep. uh, has had all kinds of uh, issues. He was just involved in a situation a couple of months ago where in he, the was weight throw, he was throwing, he was at a gym and he was throwing weights at some guy for looking at him funny or whatever, yes. whatever the situation throwing was. Throwing dumbbells yeah. at a guy in a local gym. He, he's used, you know, all kinds of crazy language in public places and, He's just a goofball, um, and he ain't the only one, right? I mean, there are a lot of guys who are just like that. But the the classless element is something I can't get over. Uh, when it comes to Tony Sperano, if you were offered something from the Vikings, if that was a real conversation that you had, why don't you let your agent handle that? I mean, why don't you handle that behind the scenes? Uh, how is this going to help you if your goal is to continue to play in the NFL? Which maybe he doesn't want to play in the NFL because at one point he said he was retiring, then he was coming back, and then mm-hmm. the Bills cut him, and then he, he's looking for work again. But I just think 
when you bring up uh, a conversation that you had with a coach you claim to respect, with with a coach you claim to have admired, and you put out these tweets which don't show anything to say, hey, look, who cares what Zimmer says? Sperano reached out to me, so now you know I'm making it look like Zimmer and Sperano weren't on the same page. Listen, man, that dude is going on. And for you to insert that into a conversation about whether or not you're going to get a look in training camp tells me everything I need to know about Richie Incognito. Here's why you should be happy as a Vikings fan about what Mike Zimmer just said and about what just transpired. With the injuries this offensive line has right now, going into the first preseason game of the year on Saturday, two, three years ago, fellas, they got to bring Richie in. I mean, you, you got to at least talk to him in this situation. Like two, three years ago, you might have to call Richie Incognito and say, come in, man, let, let's see what you got. Because they were in a different place as a franchise. Now they're in a place where the culture is so solid and positive and strong to where Zimmer's going, I'm not bringing that dude into this. No, right. I'm not letting that guy come into my locker room and mess up the culture that we've built up. I'm not letting that guy come into my training camp and bring that attitude and his nonsense and possibly disrupt the rhythm of a team. It, it just, to me, fellas, proves that these Vikings are still serious about winning a championship because these are the moves that championship teams make. And I will say, it doesn't mean that there aren't problems with the offensive oh, line. Oh, no, but no, I, no. But when I heard the report this morning, I thought, why would you bring this psychopath in on this team? Just because, like you were mentioning, it didn't, it didn't really seem like a logical fit because... This guy's a loose cannon, man. He, he he's he's one bad day away from tearing apart that entire locker room. Yeah, and that's yeah. not the kind of guy that you want on a on a veteran team with realistic championship aspirations. And it's coaches toss around the word culture. And a lot of times it feels like a you're just saying it, right? Like it's, it's just something you're you're selling. Mm-hmm. More oftentimes to themselves than anyone else. But when you're one of the handful of teams that can actually win a championship, that's a real world. That's a real word. I mean, that's a serious word. You've got an injured offensive line, a bunch of key pieces missing. Now, will these guys be ready for the season opener? I think so. But right now, things aren't looking great. No, not, no need to panic. Things aren't looking great. I just think this franchise, a couple years ago, may have been in a position where they felt like they had to call a Richie sure. Incognito. And there's, but there's also a reason why he's available. You know, oh, he's a joke. Buffalo was a playoff team last year, but they even said we can't, we can't deal with this guy. He's anymore. a joke. He's a joke, and uh, he's bounced around the league too. I mean, he's nobody likes him. Yeah, nobody likes him, and he's a good like when he's played. He's been a pretty good guard. He's been a pretty good offensive lineman, but he's a pain in the rear end. Nobody wants to deal with him, and that's why he keeps bouncing around the league all the time. In his exchanges with Sperano. One of the text messages said, hey, I don't care about money. I just want to chase championships, right? That was his message to Sperano. That's a smart move if you're a veteran. I think he's 35 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's even smarter if you're Zimmer and you realize, yes, I'm down. Yes, I've got some question marks with my offensive line. Injuries are the only thing that can stop this team, considering all the pieces they have. But I think it says a lot about the progress that this franchise has made. Rejecting someone who has that character. Who could help them? Like, Richie could come in and help. He'd probably start. I mean, he, I think he definitely would start. <laughs> mm-hmm. Richie yeah. comes in and makes an impact, you know? But 
it says a lot. If I'm a Vikings fan, I look at this and go, wow, we said no to that guy because there's a bigger prize here. The Patriots, the Steelers, all these teams that have won multiple Super Bowls are competitive every year. The Green Bay Packers even. There's a culture. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that's a word that you've been able to use with the Minnesota Vikings for a long time. Yeah, and the, and the risk just isn't isn't worth it. No, even, it, even it, if it worked, it's not worth the risk. Not, not worth yeah. it. Not worth it for this team. But I think a, a couple years ago, Richie gets a call. Like I I don't think there is this. No way, we're not interested in Richie. I, in I 2016, think, he he would definitely get a call. Well, that's what I'm the, saying. The, the offensive line then was just an absolute mess. You couldn't afford to not call, him. right? And I think that's the situation. Um, that they would have been in, and I think that says a lot about their progress. Does this offensive line get healthy enough in time for the season opener? That's still a question. Well, right? and even the guys that are hurt, you're not talking about Pro Bowl or All-Pro caliber no, players, no, no, no. even when they're healthy. You need everybody healthy in order for this thing to go and for Kirk Cousins to be protected. I think he's had 39 different starting combinations on his offensive line throughout his career or something like that. Wow. I mean, this is a guy who hasn't had a consistent setup protecting him. And if the Vikings can do that, you start to talk about Super Bowl homeboy, right? Mm-hmm. I just think you got to reward Zimmer for how he handled a situation with a guy who would have ruined the culture that this franchise is trying to establish. But how, but how NFL was this tweet, too, by the way? Because what, what's the one thing that every team hates more than anything? Distractions. Oh, especially They want now. you all walking in lockstep. They don't want any anybody to be... Uh, and this guy completely burned every bridge and any opportunity he ever had of playing in the league again. Who, what who would an sign idiot. him? Who no, would sign him? Nobody will. Not even the Browns would sign him after that. <laughs> you don't. I mean, you don't sign a guy who's willing to make himself a distraction and, and then again use the text messages from a guy who's going on. It's ridiculous. He's a goofball. I'm glad he won't be here. If, if Al Davis were still alive and running the Raiders, they they might they might actually sure. probably bring him in. But not but not these Raiders. Not I mean, Raiders, at one no. point, not Gruden, these Raiders. I don't think Gruden would want anything. To nah, do with him. Incognito doesn't deserve a place in the NFL after this. We'll be back. Myron Metcalf back here on uh, 1500 ESPN on the ride with Royce. Uh, I'm obviously not him, but I'm filling in for him this week. So what I want to do this week is uh, a series I'm going to call State of the Franchise, where basically I want to run through every team in the city, every local team, and give them a grade uh, based on what we know now. And I think now's a great time because the Twins, we kind of know what they are. Mm-hmm. The T-Wolves have made the moves they're going to make. I mean, Jimmy Butler's staying. We I signed a guy think. today, I saw. Yeah, so from uh, – Overseas. Something Dunnelly, Don, yeah, Donnelly, Mike Dunnelly. There we go. Yeah, they say good things. He's a shooter. Over. He's a shooter. Uh, next Larry Bird. Um, Vikings, obviously, are heading, heading into their first preseason game, the Wild. So, But I think it's appropriate to start with the Twins, uh, a state of the Twins. Now, I want both of you guys to give them a grade, right? Here, here's the criteria. The future, mm-hmm. right? You know, you can look at hitting, pitching, management, all those things. But it's the overall picture, right? So you can't just look at where they are now and the struggles they've had post-trade deadline. Okay. And the fact that, you know, they're not going anywhere. Because I think the future is what this, what some of those moves, what they were based on, right? That's the goal. The goal is that you got a bunch of guys in their 20s who will find a rhythm at some point and come together the way the Royals did a couple years ago. Uh, You know, the way a number of teams around the league 
have been able to rely on some of their young prospects and, and go pretty far. I think that's the goal. Will it happen? We'll see. I mean, the Sano, the Buxton questions, we know all that. But for me, when I look at the future and the possibility, which the ceiling to me includes Sano getting in shape this offseason and getting back to who he was, Byron Buxton getting healthy and finding a rhythm, right? Um, if those things happen with this young team, I'm probably higher on these twins than a lot of people are if you talk about the future. Sure. I would give them, and maybe this is dumb. You know, it wouldn't be the first dumb thing I've said or done. Uh, won't be the last. Won't be the last. <laughs> it's a B minus for me. Ooh. It's a B minus for me. Because I feel like if you look at what could happen, if if everything goes right, I'm saying, there's still enough promise to make you think it, it's not completely over, right? If, if a couple of things happen, a couple of these young guys continue to progress. We've watched Jake Cave uh, over the last month be great against No Buxton. To me, I think if you look a lot about look, look a lot at that and the possibilities, a B minus seems reasonable. You got to knock them for where they are now. I mean, that game last night was just a joke and embarrassing to showcase the gap between them and everybody else who's contending. But it's a B minus for me. Is that dumb? I don't know if it's dumb. I think it's a tad high, uh, personally. Well, it might be because dumb. the on-field product is such a disaster. But the rest of this season is to find out what pieces you can figure out are going to be part of your long-term plan. Exactly. I think you've got at least one outfielder in Eddie Rosario. That's part of your long-term Definitely. plan. You've got one infielder in Polanco that I still think is going to be an everyday player on a playoff caliber team. You don't have a catcher. No. Uh, I, I'm, and I'm including Mitch Garver. He's not a catcher on a playoff team, um, at least in my opinion. So no, the jury's still out. But I I don't mind what they did at the deadline. In fact, I think what's going to happen before the August 31st deadline, we're going to see more pieces being spun off for more minor league yeah. talent. Because, again, I mentioned this yesterday, they're continuing to build the depth in the minor league or, in the minor league system, which is what you need. It's their only choice because they're an MLB pipeline. After the 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 deadline passed on August first, ranked the Twins as the sixth best farm system in baseball, which is which is huge because yeah. if teams like the Twins can't survive unless they have that talent. Here's the problem with that: uh, growing up in Wisconsin, Brewers the Brewers had were number one with their farm with their farm system for like six years in a row, and they sure. didn't win. Mm. You know, but I, you know what they did? They were able to go get a guy like Yelich. They were Huge. able to go, you know, and, that, and that's and that's what that's what building up a system can do. You can yes. either de- harness and develop your own talent, or you can use that to accumulate and acquire other assets. So, what's your grade? I think I can't go higher than a C, because I do like what they're doing with the farm system. And again, I still think there are more moves to be made this month, no. and this will be one of the most important off seasons in this franchise's history. Well, it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be, huge. but but be and I, tru- to- and I trust the current administration. I do. I know a lot of people are down on it, and some are saying that it's the same as the. Ter- it could not be even further away from the Terry Ryan. And, administration. and I don't know how in a year and a half of them running the operation that you could even make that determination. Right. That no, people just, just want to like be mad at somebody. You know yeah, what that's they just, about. They just want to be mad. They want to be mad at someone. But for you, Manny, what, what grade? What grade do you give them, and why? I would probably go. Probably in between the two of you, I'd probably give them about a C plus, and I I think I I knock them because of sort of the I guess regression, if you will, from last year. I mean, last year was a playoff year, 
and you go into this season with the idea of hoping to build on that. And if if you don't make the playoffs again, fine, that's whatever. But the fact that it seems like they've gone backwards because the two guys that you are hitching your wagons to as foundations have been awful this year, whether it's been mm-hmm. injury or underperformance or not being in shape, whatever it may be with Buxton and Sano, they've gone backwards. So because they've gone backwards, you've had to trade Dozier. Yeah. You who's killing it by the way for the I mean the Dodgers got a, right. they got a gift. You're probably not going to bring Irv Santana back. Like you you have guys that were a huge part of your success last year that are now gone because you had to you had to send them packing because you weren't going anywhere this year and you had to sort of hit a quasi reset button. It didn't help fan the flames by the way with Lance Lynn throwing a two hitter against the White Sox yeah. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, I, I but like you know that, what? You mentioned Buxton and Sano, and for the longest time, that was the bill we were being sold. And I get yeah. why fans are frustrated, but I, I personally think that the conversation, yeah, it, what those two do going forward is still relevant and important to this franchise. But for me personally, it's Jose Barrios and Roy Lewis that are the most important pieces of this team going forward. Yeah. They're I, huge. It just is. I mean, Lewis was promoted today. To uh, I forget was it Cedar Rapids I forget he was promoted today, or, uh, and those are the two most important pieces going forward. Yeah, and yeah. with Royce Lewis, how it, sad is that though? Yeah, yeah. It well, is. that's that's the tough thing with Royce Lewis is that as promising as he seems, we're still probably at least two years away before oh, minimum. Yeah, at, at minimum, yep. two years before we even see him at the major league level, yeah. and that that's promising. And you say, okay, he's down there and he's hitting well. And he's he's he looks like he's going to turn into the real deal, but because you have to wait until probably 2020 or 2021 before you even see him, that that means that the rest of this year and next year is just going to be kind of eh, unless Buxton and Sano turn it around. I'd love to know, you know, tweet us at 1500 ESPN or 651-646-8255. I'd love, love to know what, what grades people give uh, the, the Twins right now. You know, and the other thing, too, with the ascension of Jake Cave, I think a guy that might be in a bit of trouble is Max Kepler. Yeah. Because, he, yeah, he's improved against left-handed pitching this year, but he's been just pretty much mediocre yeah. this, but, this entire he's season. Been very but the and he was one of those pieces that was supposed to be part of your long-term outfield but, with Buxton and with Rosario. But the problem brochure for this franchise, on the cover is a giant photo to me of Byron Buxton. Mm-hmm. There's a smaller photo of Sunnell. Right, but those are the two guys on the cover of your problems if you're this franchise. Buxton is supposed to be the guy who is closest to being able to turn this all around, right? Who, if he gets healthy, going into 2019, if if he can stay healthy and find a rhythm, uh, and learn to hit big league pitching or any pitching by that matter for that matter consistently, now you might start to see a guy who is unmatched in the outfield in terms of his defensive gifts and qualities. He doesn't, he doesn't even have to be a great hitter, right? But no one's, isn't no that one's kinda, asking him to be that. But here's the thing with that, though. Isn't it kind of sad, though, that we've, we're at the point with him now where it's just like all we're asking him to do is just to be like a 250 or 260 hitter? Yeah, I'm, see, I'm not at that point. Because I, I'm not at that point. He's failed to me. And, and to me, people treat him, they treat him in ways that they don't treat Sano, and I think that's unfair. The way that they come down on Sano and that they give Buxton a pass. You tell right. anyone, hey, Buxton can't hit big league pitching. You know what they say? Well, he's been hurt. How about when he was healthy and he couldn't do it? Well, look what he did last year for that brief stretch. But he hasn't done it consistently. 
Like people love Byron Buxton and I get it, but you shouldn't be afraid to criticize a guy. The problem is, again, when you start, for me, the downfall of the challenges with this team and why you're giving them a C and why you're giving them a C plus, it revolves around Buxton, in my opinion. And he was he was the number two overall pick in his draft. So like we should be expecting more. We should not be okay with just him being him becoming a two fifty hitter. He's supposed to he's be supposed a superstar. To be, he's supposed to be more than that. He's supposed to be a superstar. Like that that to me is why I'm so animated on Buxton is because he wasn't supposed to be a good player. He was supposed to be in that Bryce Harper, Mike Trout kind of conversation. I'm not saying he'd be that good, but he was supposed to be in the conversation of sort of the freakish talents who just have something that few few players can match. Andrew right? McCutcheon, at least. He's supposed to be in that conversation. And instead, he's been in the conversation of a guy who, again, this isn't his fault. He hasn't been healthy. That's an element that you, you can't knock him for being injured all the time. But it, it is frustrating. My thing is... Even when he's been healthy, he hasn't given us what we anticipated. And we'll be back for more after this. Myron Metcalf, back here on the ride. Uh, Rick and Shoreview, got something to say here on 1500? I do. Thanks, guys, for taking my call. But uh, I guess I've been meaning to ask this question of uh, somebody that knows more than me for probably a couple of years ever since Buxton came on the scene, but can you guys do a little comparison to between him and Torrey Hunter? Didn't he languish as a 190, 230 to mm-hmm. 230 hitter for quite a few years before he finally got it? Yeah, but I, can, I don't know if you guys remember. But. Oh, yeah, he was sent down multiple yeah. times. Yep. Here's, here's the one big difference, though, Rick. Torrey didn't have injury problems. Well, uh-huh. And the ceilings were different, right? The expectations were different right away. I think that's the thing with Buxton is he was in an elite class right away. I tell you what, Rick, you know what we'll do? We will ask former Torrey Hunter manager Tom Kelly at 5 o'clock that exact question. Fantastic. All right, thanks, Rick. You got it. Thanks, buddy. Now we've got John here with the update. News update. Thanks, Myron. Languish. Got to use the word languish. It's a great word. (laughs) This update sponsored by... Orkin. Every home is unique. That's why Orkin relies on the latest science to get rid of pests. Visit Orkin.com today. Orkin, pest control down to a science. Twins Indians game two of the series tonight in Cleveland. Alberto Mejia goes for the Twins. Carlos Carrasco pitches for Cleveland. The lineup to face Carlos tonight. Maurer leads off in DHs. Eddie Rosario's in left field hitting second. Polanco at shortstop hits third. Logan Morrison hits cleanup, plays first base. Miguel Sano hits fifth at third base. Max Kepler in right field hits sixth. Logan Forsythe, second base hitting seventh. Jake Cave hits eighth and plays center field. And Mitch Garver will catch and hit. Ninth. Uh, the Twins today, by the way, reinstated writing Matt McGill from the paternity list. To make room, they put Matt Belisle on the disabled list. Uh, Matt Belisle has a problem with his right knee. And his right arm. No. <laughs> yeah, well, I just don't, and I don't mean to keep ripping Matt Belisle, but I don't understand. He's, he's awful, and yeah. he has no future with the club. I get that he's good in the clubhouse, but... My God, he's terrible. I think, his, I think his neck was hurting too from yeah, he got whiplash. All the moonshots that were going over the fence, <laughs> especially last night. Don't look at me like that, Kenny. Yeah, Harsh right. today. Wow, <laughs> you should have been in here during the break, Myron. Uh, Chris was going nuts about everything. This oh, I was texting. I was last night. I was texting Reavers and yeah. Roycey both about Matt Belial and just 
how tired I am. You guys know about girls, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're fun. Lots of fun. Lynx try to break their three-game losing streak tonight. They're in Chicago to play the Sky. Rebecca Brunson not with the team. She suffered a nose injury Sunday listed as day-to-day. They need to get it going, too, by the way. Yeah. Hot and cold, that yeah. team. Yeah. The Timberwolves today agreed to a two-year deal with free agent wing James Nunnally. He's flying into town tonight to sign. He's 28 years old. He worked out earlier this summer for the Wolves. Six foot seven, shot 55.4% from three-point range for top European team Fenerbahce last year. Uh, he also apparently had been generating interest from Houston, New Orleans, and several European teams. Now we'll see if Tibbs actually plays him. <laughs> no. That won't happen. Minnesota United announced uh, that they've traded forward Christian Ramirez to Los Angeles Football Club last night. They announced that in exchange for $1 million in allocation money. United Sporting Director Manny Lagos was on with Mackie and Judd here on 1500 ESPN today and had this to say about the trade. Christian um, has done a great job. You know, we, we were starting to get more depth, both experience in that position, plus young guys. And we just felt like it was the right time to move Christian somewhere where he could be, like, back home. And we have now the ability to kind of position ourselves to build in our roster and areas of the field. Unlike Christian's position where we're really heavy, uh, parts of the field that we want to get better. So, you know, we we think it was a, a win-win for, for everybody. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Ramirez has been the face of the Loons uh, since their days in the North American Soccer League. Man, people were worked up last night really on Twitter. Were not happy. What's uh, new? <laughs> Good point. 74 goals in five years with United is the most in club history. Since moving to the MLS, Ramirez has scored 14 goals in 30 appearances. Minnesota sports fans, salty and surly since the so beginning I don't of time. I don't understand how it works, though, because they acquired, they traded him for money. Allocation for, money, yeah. So that was like a, is that a big thing in soccer? I don't know. It, it is. Manny actually explained it in that interview uh, with Phil and Judd, and I still... Don't have my whole head. I think right it's now. a weird system. Like, yeah. I think it's supposed to just like give them more money to go out and get other guys, mm-hmm. more of a quantity of guys. And Got it. That sort of thing. So that's yeah. what it sounds like. Something like that. Uh, Stan Makita, member of the Hockey Hall of Fame and the leading scorer in Chicago Blackhawks history, died today at the age of 78. He played in 1,396 games in the NHL. He played from 1958 to 1980. What? Holy wow. cow. That is amazing. So parts of four decades. Gordy Howe. Basically, he played in. Uh, he did, did win the Stanley Cup with Chicago in 1961. Did he play with Seacourt? Yeah. Yeah, I know. You got to turn your mic on when you say that. <laughs> Makita amassed 1,467 points. That ranks 14th in NHL history. See, the you, bit would work better, Kenny, if you'd participate in the bit. Just let John finish the news, Christopher Francis Reavers. <laughs> in 2015, Makita was diagnosed with suspected dementia with Lewy bodies, a brain disorder that causes memory loss. Uh, Makita had requested that his brain be donated for a CTE research after his death. That's uh, interesting that I, I didn't know there were hockey players involved in this CT stuff. I think I'm going to have to donate, too. Yeah, I I think think the CT. Yeah. We'll be back with more after this. Sooner the better. Myra Metcalf filling in on the ride. That's a great uh, Joe Crocker song, right? It's a really oh, good song. Hell yeah. There's a great documentary about him. I don't know if it's on Netflix, but... Incredible life. That's uh, right. I forgot you're a big music guy, too. Yeah, yeah. That Joe Crocker documentary is uh, 
Really, really, really good. Uh, check it out if you get a chance. So yesterday, Westgate released um, basically the over-under on his projected win totals. Westgate's a sports book in Las Vegas. And I guess I was surprised. Um, the over-under for the Minnesota Timberwolves, the projected wins, 44 and a half. This is a team that won 47 games last year with uh, Jimmy Butler, who was never healthy, um, and Andrew Wiggins, who really never found a rhythm. 44 and a half. Uh, so they're projected to be worse off, apparently, coming into next season, even though the only guy they've lost was Jamal Crawford. The 44 and a half puts them, in terms of projected win totals, puts them below the Milwaukee Bucks, who are at 46 and a half, the Oklahoma City Thunder at 50 and a half. Uh, the Utah Jazz at 48 and a half. The Washington Wizards are at 44 and a half as well. The Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Lakers, fellas, 48 and a half wins. They've got LeBron and who, right? But people think LeBron is that good where he, to where he's going to make them a, a, a team that contends for a title. The Pacers are at 47 and a half. The Spurs, believe it or not, uh, losing uh, Ka- Kawhi Leonard, they're at 43 and a half. Yesterday I said, here's why I would take the over on the Minnesota Timberwolves, thinking that they would win more than 44 and a half games, and I still think they'll win more than that. They'll win 45 or more games, no doubt. But if I were going to take the under, it would be for one reason, and it's the one theme of this team, the lingering theme of this team, the thing that Tibbs was supposed to fix instantly, you know, because he was sort of this defensive-minded coach. It's the defensive challenges that this team had. When you look at the best teams in the NBA. And I I hate how people look at the Warriors and the Rockets and they say, well, they're just shooting a bunch of threes. Those teams were both top 10 defensively. Like they were both two teams that were top 10 Mm -hmm. defensively in terms of defensive efficiency. Say what you want about the Rockets, but they defended, especially with the healthy Chris Paul. That was a team that would lock you up. That was a team that played great defense. The Golden State Warriors when they wanted to as well. The Cavaliers when they had to down the stretch, they played good defense as well. Um, that's the one element of this thing where I look at the T-Wolves and I go, I think they'll be better. I think they can be a 50-win team. But I also know that if Carl Towns doesn't become a more reliable defender, if they don't get a more consistent effort defensively, the Western Conference is getting better. Mm -hmm. The Denver Nuggets are better than they were uh, going into the final stretch of the year. Yes, they are. I don't know how you have the Spurs, Spurs at 43 and a half when they have DeMar DeRozan, who's not Kawhi, but he's still an all-star, pretty good player, and Pop is still coaching. That team's going to be in the mix. You got to deal with deal with a team like the Lakers who, uh, again, I don't think they can win 48 games, 49 games, but LeBron is that good. Um, the Pelicans, uh, all these teams that I feel like have grown – Utah. Utah. Utah is going to be really, really good because you anticipate them having Rudy Gobert for an entire season because they missed him for like a month and a half. Definitely. And they would have, they, if they had him for the entire season, they would have won 50 plus games. And put Grayson Allen on your sleeper list for rookie of the year. You heard it here first. Uh oh. Grayson Allen, I think, is going to be a star for them playing next to Donovan Mitchell. You heard it here first. Not that he. Drop we'll, play that, we'll play that for Royce next yeah. Drop it, Dropping bombs. <laughs> dropping bombs here. I actually think he's going to be a decent pro because he can shoot. He, he has never – his skills – like people saw him being explosive in summer league and they were like, who knew he was athletic? Anybody who watched him at Duke knew yeah. he was athletic. He's a good athlete. He's, he's a, a very good, good player. Athlete. And he's, yeah. on a, he's in the perfect situation with the Jazz. He's just got 
the other stuff? Can he control his temper? Can can he can he be consistent down the stretch? I mean, those are the things he had to deal with. You can't go to a better place than playing next to Donovan Mitchell. But all these teams look like they're getting better, and it seems like the perception, at least, fellas, is that the Timberwolves are sort of who they were, and and, and they haven't done anything to dramatically uh, enhance their prospects. They haven't done anything to make you feel like they're going to make a dramatic leap into the top three or four seats. You know, you mentioned uh, the Ohio State kid yesterday, but what do we kid what do we make of the first the first round kid from Georgia? Josh Okogie. He can shoot. He's a shooter. He can shoot, and he's active. He's got an incredible wingspan for a guy who's only six three, six yeah. four. Because he's but, a, he's like nineteen, correct? He's a very uh, young, he's twenty or twenty. Okay, yeah, he, he just turned twenty, I think, or he he turn, he'll be twenty by the time the season starts. Okay. And the bottom line is you just want a guy like him and Bates Diop to help you come off the bench and to be able to, you know, contribute when Towns and Butler. I mean, Wiggins, let's be honest. The biggest questions are this. Number one, will Jimmy Butler stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Number two, how much has Carl Anthony Towns improved defensively? Number three, where's Andrew Wiggins' head at? You yeah. know, because I've always felt like with him. Can he and Butler coexist? Well, I just hate when the people talk about like the talent element and the possibilities with an Andrew Wiggins because it ain't that. He's got to learn how to shoot, become a more consistent shooter, mm-hmm. and develop that. But if you're talking about the building block blocks of a young player, there aren't many guys who have some of his gifts. I'm not saying he'll put it all together, but he has certain tools. But if those three things are answered positively for the Timberwolves, you should be okay. So that's why 44 and a half seemed low to me. But if anything, it's the defensive levels. And I think they were 22nd in defensive efficiency. I mean, that to me is the thing that you look at and you go, is this a team that's going to consistently defend, which is what Tibbs was brought here to do? That was that was supposed to be the area that, you know, he made the greatest strides, right? Now, to his credit, not having a healthy Jimmy Butler uh, affects how you're able to do that. But I think that was the big question. If I'm taking the under, the only reason – is because I'm wondering if this team has made the necessary defensive improvements to compete with the big dogs in the West. We'll be back after this. Myron Metcalf back here on the ride, filling in for Patrick Royce all week. Uh, I am very happy for this young man who is going to have an opportunity to compete uh, for the first time in a long time. I mean, he got in last year, but... Uh, to have a chance to really compete. Teddy Bridgewater with the Jets. Uh, the Falcons play the Jets on Friday night in their preseason opener. Uh, and, and Teddy's going to have an opportunity to compete for that job. I mean, it sounds like Sam Darnold, especially being the high draft pick, probably ends up with that gig. But Teddy's in the mix. And he told the New York Post, I'm looking forward to these upcoming preseason games, just getting out there and having fun, playing football again. I look forward to every day. Some people might say it's training camp. The grind of things. Can't wait to get to the regular season. Things will be easier, but I look forward to it. Embrace the grind because it was once taken for me. First off, I don't know if people realize he's only 25. I'm just happy for him to be in a legit quarterback uh, competition and to have an opportunity to show us what he started to show us before that horrific injury two years ago. I'm happy for Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm really rooting for him uh, just to show his best stuff in the preseason mm-hmm. and fight for that starting job. Do you think he'll be a starting quarterback in the league again? Because yeah. I have my I have my doubts. I, I, Only I, because of the injury, the the significance of the injury, but also he was okay when he was a starting quarterback. 
Yeah, I don't think great. he was. I don't think he was. You know, going to ascend to Aaron Rodgers. No, I think he was a middle of the pack. You know, caliber quarterback. He, he was, but I think it's fair to say that there's a missing chapter there that we just never saw. Right. So if, if he can, to me, he's never going to get starting quarterback money because of the injury history. He's never going to get some big deal. But I think he can play his way into the mix in a place like the Jets. You know, at a place like that, where maybe you've got a young quarterback who ain't ready, a veteran quarterback who's more of a placeholder. I think he can fight to get into a mix like that. Uh, but he's going to have to show that, A, he can stay healthy. And once he's healthy, he's going to have to give us a run that shows that he's more than just what I agree, a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. Because uh, he was a good quarterback. When he got hurt, he became sort of this mythological quarterback, and mm-hmm. we had suddenly lost an opportunity to see you know, Warren Moon in his prime or something like that, which was unfair to him. But I do think it's fair to look at that and go, you know what? What if? You know, what if that yeah. injury doesn't happen? Because there were a lot of people that b- before the injury that were anticipating him really taking that next step in, into that sort of that next group of quarterbacks that he had finally was starting to turn the corner and then the injury happened. And now we're just at a point where we never really would have known. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could see the steps he was taking. You could see him making progress and making strides. Because in that preseason game, that first. Yo, he looked he looked real the, against the Chargers at US Bank Stadium. He he did look really really sharp. He had ju- he had juice possessions that he was in. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater had some juice, you know, in the, that preseason game, and it, it was enough to make you go, you know what? Maybe there's something more there that we weren't aware of. Like maybe he's taking that step. What if anything? It looked like he'd had a really good off season, and he was ready to come into the year and to prove that he'd. Going to the next level, he never got a chance to prove as much. Of course, he probably if he had, if the injury hadn't happened, I mean, it probably would have been a tough year for him anyway because the offensive line that year ended up being a complete disaster. So yeah, yeah, I don't we know. We never if he, probably would have known anyway. But I, I he was a tad bit more mobile than Sam Bradford. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. he was. Bradford was just a, a stone with an arm, right? Uh, but Josh McCown, Sam Darnold—that's who he's battling. You know, that's a very realistic quarterback competition that he could win. I mean, that's one of those things where you go, okay, you know what? Sam Donald's a rookie. Uh, McCown's 85 years old or whatever yeah, he is. Yeah, amazing have... McCown has stuck around oh, as long as he has. I, I bet he's made a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, Never yeah. been a star, made a ton of he's money. He's played for like half the league, too. Listen, say a prayer for Teddy B. Because Teddy Bridgewater, hopefully, is going to fight for a starting spot with the New York Jets and have a chance to redeem himself after that horrific injury. I'm rooting for you, Teddy.